Thank you, Tammy, for that reading. Welcome back, all of you, to the Otto family household. I know how much you love our late night chats about the Bible and how amazing it is and how God uses these words to speak to us about our life of faith today. So tonight, we are talking about an opportune moment. All right. If somebody asked you to come up with something from your faith tradition that you know by heart, something you have memorized, what would come to mind for you? I'm guessing for a lot of us, it would be the Lord's Prayer. Um, in an age where, you know, for better and for worse, we don't um, put much emphasis on memorizing things anymore, but still most of us, the Lord's Prayer, we know by heart, um, at least if we're talking about the traditional version. And, we know it drives you all crazy when we sprinkle in the ecumenical version, which we will today, heads up, um, because it is the first weekend of the month. But anyways, the Lord's Prayer, it is theoretically the perfect prayer to pair with today's gospel story, right? Or if we were using the traditional version, because lead us not into temptation. That's what this gospel reading is all about. It's what the whole season of Lent is all about, right? Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil, tempted to turn stones into bread, tempted to take control and rule the world, tempted to jump from a great height and see if God would save him. And as we hear, Jesus resists temptation at every turn and having passed every test is then released to begin his ministry, which sounds great, right? I am uneasy, though, about that final phrase, until an opportune time. The devil left him until an opportune time. We just got back from our latest El Salvador trip, um, where we got to help with the little traveling clinic health fair the Lutheran churches there put on every year. And I was working the prayer station, so people would stop by after seeing the nurse and ask for prayer. And my Spanish isn't great, so often I offered to read something in Spanish from the Bible so I could use those words as my prayer. And so on the fourth day, the nurses brought someone over to me, an older man, and they said, you know, his wife died about three years ago, and maybe he could use someone to talk to. Um, so we introduced each other. His name was Gustavo and he sits down and in all my little white girl bravado with my bilingual Bible and my bad Spanish, I'm like, hello, how are you? Could I share some of my favorite Bible verses with you? To which Gustavo says, no, 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 no. I am going to share my favorite Bible verse with you. And then he pulls out of his shoulder bag this Bible that is it is so well loved. It, it is quite literally falling apart. The entire spine is exposed. The whole thing is held together with packing tape. And I'm looking over his shoulder as he's flipping through it. And every single page has highlighting, underlying notes in the margins. Then he gets to the page that he's looking for and he starts reading and he reads this. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This, this is Psalm 91, and it is a psalm of God's protection and deliverance, and it is the same psalm that the devil quotes to Jesus, trying to convince him to jump off that tower. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, 
in Psalm 91. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will lift you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So whatever else you say about them, you got to admit the devil's got some good taste in scripture, right? The previous day at the clinic, a young woman came through the prayer station. And before we talked, Pastor Raphael, who was hosting, pulled me aside to explain that she was, in his words, a woman of the street and to tell me a little bit of what she had been through and it's a lot. So he sits her down and he asks her if she would like to choose a Bible passage for us to read, which I thought was a pretty tall order. Like how many of you would feel put on the spot if I said, hey, why don't you recommend a Bible passage you want us to read together? Uh, but she was not phased and she chose a passage and what do you think she chose? Psalm 91. So I attempted to read it in Spanish and of course I'm fumbling and the words and mispronouncing everything and it didn't matter. She recited it right along with me and when I looked up, I saw her eyes were closed. She knew it by heart. You will not fear the terrors of the night or the arrow that flies by day, the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noon. God will cover you with his pinions, his feathers, and under God's wings you will find refuge. When we're in El Salvador, there is a kind of racism in me, or maybe it's more like nationalism, that protects my heart in an unhelpful way, protects my heart when people share about the traumas through which they live. Because when they do, it, it, it doesn't quite hit me the same or goad me to action in the same way it would if I was here in this setting praying with you. And I think it's because my expectations for them and their lives are different than for you and for yours. And of course, right, if you ask me, I would never say that they deserve what happened to them. Not at all. But there is a way in which my lack of outrage on their behalf, is, it belies God's truth that actually there is no them. There is no such thing as them. All humans are like us. And while Lord knows not everyone has it, everyone everywhere deserves peace and security and provision and well-being. There is no such thing as other people's children. So do my thoughts, my actions, and my efforts actually reflect that truth? These are all things I'm thinking about this Lent. And then there's this. What does it mean to pray Psalm 91 with all its promises of protection? What does it mean to pray Psalm 91 in a place like Soya Pongo? What does it mean to pray Psalm 91 in a place where your streets are not safe, your house is not safe, your body is not safe? Here's what it means. It means that whatever happens to our bodies, our faith teaches us that there is a part of our souls that is untouchable. The sick religious tradition has a saying, it's a prayer, 
The hot winds cannot touch you. You are shielded by love. That's basically Psalm 91 in a nutshell. It is a promise of protection that outlasts our mortal bodies and outlives the limits of time. And it can give us great comfort and great courage, even in the face of great danger. Now, it's easy, right, to think of today's gospel story as a one-time episode in Jesus' life. He conquers temptation, conquers the devil. Having done so, he keeps conquering one thing after another until finally in the end, he conquers death itself. If it weren't for that little phrase at the end, until the opportune time. The devil departs from him, but not forever, only until the next opportune time. When was that next time? How many next times were there? The only other one documented in scripture is the last night of Jesus' life when he's awaiting his arrest and death in the Garden of Gethsemane. But Lord only knows, pun intended, Lord only knows how many other opportune moments the devil found to test him. And presumably, this is any time that he could be tempted to stray from the work to which he has been called. So... Let's go back to the Lord's Prayer for just a second. There is a reason, believe it or not, that we incorporate the ecumenical version into the rotation. And it's not just to drive you crazy, although you know we do love to drive you crazy. But it's because, as unfamiliar as it is to most of us, the ecumenical version is a better translation and it's just better theology. Think about the words in the traditional version for a minute about preventing trespassing and avoiding temptation. And they almost call to mind an image of like, like walking the high road, trying to, trying to stick to your own lane and stay above the mess and muck that is reality and life in this world. And we know that's not the way of Jesus. And we know that's not the work to which we've been called, staying high and above it all. And we know it in part because of readings like this gospel reading. When the devil tempts Jesus, he offers Jesus the chance to sidestep the suffering of this world, end hunger, rule everything, avoid physical pain. But Jesus knows that's not why he has come. He has come not to avoid suffering, but to stand in solidarity with those who are suffering and to show us how to do that too. This is what Lent is about. It's less about resisting temptation as if we're trying to dodge spiritual potholes or something. And it's more about learning to lean in to God, especially when times are hard. And that is a task at which we surely need all the practice we can get. That's what we do in Lent. We practice leaning into God. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer today, even if... We all are cheating and looking down at our bulletins. Instead of asking God not to lead us into temptation, we will ask God to save us from the time of trial. And those words are our reminder. Trials do come, and with the help of God, our task is not to dodge them, but to dive into them, or, or at least, maybe more realistically, to ride their waves with the courage that comes from knowing the hot winds cannot touch us. We are shielded by love. 
Friends, this is the work to which we have been called. In a world filled with danger, difficulty, and heartbreak, to keep showing up open-handed, open-hearted, and unafraid. To lean into God's promise of protection. And as we do so, to find the courage to carry on. And so, friends, may God give us the faith of Gustavo and Beatrice with the words of the 91st Psalm always ready at hand. And may God inspire us with the example of Jesus, using that Psalm not to avoid hardship, but to hold up in it. And then may we use, really use, this season of Lent, whichever version of the Lord's Prayer we're praying, as our opportune moment to practice a faith that is both courageous and kind. Amen. And now, friends, our hymn of the day, which, if it is already familiar to you, you have probably been hearing in your head as we went through this scripture reading. It is based on the words of Psalm 91, and it is the song on eagle's wings. Here it is.